Thank you for downloading from the Great Commission Society. Support for this podcast comes from your generous gifts and donations. You can find out more about our global ministry and team at www.greatcommissionsociety.com. Schindler's List is one of the most powerful movies of all time. It tells the compelling story of the German businessman Oskar Schindler, who comes to Nazi-occupied Poland looking for economic prosperity, and leaves as a saviour of more than 1,100 Jews. A charming and sly entrepreneur, Schindler bribes and befriends the Nazi authorities to gain control of a factory in Krakow, which he staffs with Jewish slave labourers. Very soon he's making a fortune. Among the Jews who work for him is Itzhak Stern, the plant manager, who in his benevolence sees to it that Schindler's workforce includes the most vulnerable and cherished members of Krakow's Jewish community. Schindler is just like many men. He's got a love for good wine, beautiful women and pursues happiness through the success of his business. Whilst his empire is being built, however, the film portrays the murderous fate of millions of innocent Jews, a time now labelled as one of the darkest periods of human history. As Schindler comes to realisation of this fact, he begins to change. To the joy of Itzhak Stern and his workforce, the self-centred money-hungry entrepreneur gives up his worldly goals and turns his efforts to save the lives of many Jews. The story reaches a dramatic crescendo, with Schindler preparing to flee. As a Nazi party member and a self-described profiteer of slave labour, he must escape the advancing Soviet army. Although SS guards have been ordered to liquidate the Jews and Brinlitz, Schindler persuades them to return to their families as men, not murderers. In the aftermath, he packs his car in the night and bids farewell to his workers. Now they give him a letter signed by every worker in case he's captured, explaining that he's not a criminal to them. He's also presented with a ring, secretly made from a worker's gold dental bridge and engraved with a Talmudic quotation, He who saves the life of one man saves the world entire. And at this point, Schindler breaks down in deep shame and tears. I could have got more. I could have got more, he says, clinging to Stern. Why did we keep the car? We could have got more people. We could have got ten more people. Look at this pen, it's gold. It could have given me two more people, even one more person. Schindler realises that he threw away so much money. Stern tells him in those solemn moments, there will be generations because of what you did. You did so much. And of course the film ends by showing a procession of now elderly Jews who worked in Schindler's factory, each of whom reverently sets a stone on his grave. The actors walk hand in hand with the people they portrayed and also place a stone on Schindler's grave. The audience learns that at the time of the film's release, there are fewer than 4,000 Jews left alive in Poland, while there are more than 6,000 descendants of the Schindler Jews. Today, there are more than 7,500 descendants of his Jews living in the United States, Europe and Israel. Oskar Schindler died in Hildesheim in Germany on the 9th of October 1974. He wanted to be buried in Jerusalem. As he said, my children are here. Schindler died penniless, but he earned the everlasting gratitude of his Jews. He was mourned on four continents and generations will remember him for what he did. What will our legacy be? How do we use our time anyway? How do we use our money? Do we measure success by the profitability of our business, our wage packet, the -the state-of-the-art home cinema system, the holiday, the latest mobile gadgets, the new car, the clothes, the company we keep. How might our world change if Christians begin to measure every resource at our fingertips in terms of souls? Some say time is money, but no, I say time is souls. 
How about making that next extravagant gift a gift for the Lord's work? What will you choose? A takeaway tonight for dinner? Or maybe a hundred gospel tracts delivered to a spiritually isolated place somewhere in the world? Would you choose to buy a new handbag or, or a dozen Bibles to the Middle East? What would you choose? A trip to the cinema or an evening handing out tracts outside somewhere? You know, it is challenging, isn't it? You know, if our hearts could only be drawn to the value of the eternal, this globe could be reached and we will not be disappointed. We will become rich in the things of Christ and treasure in heaven can never be taken away. We read in Matthew chapter 6 verses 19 to 21, Do not store up yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. My friends, this is your time. God bless you, and keep on keeping on. A vast majority of churches go for years without seeing even one person coming to Christ in faith. By almost any metric, churches across the world are much less evangelistic today than they were in the recent past. Do you ever feel the church has let the world down? Hello and welcome to our GCS podcast with author and evangelist Tony Anthony. The Apostle Peter told believers to always have a ready answer for the hope that we have. But in these changing and very strange times, that directive can be difficult. We see the pattern in the early church where every day the Lord added to them those who were being saved. Yet in too many churches today, our congregations are reaching no one for Christ in the course of an entire year. What can we do differently to better reach the unsaved in our community? How do we respond to a generation that's lost and appears to enjoy its quandary? Many of us know friends or loved ones who seem so hard to reach with the gospel because they enjoy their lives. How can we properly approach these friends? Let's join Tony as he exposes some of the key reasons why churches are not reaching the lost with the gospel and shares how we might gain the right perspective on evangelism. For many years of my life, I've been privileged to lead ministries that have been very effective at reaching the lost. Through prayer, hard work and a relentless gospel focus, we experienced strong growth primarily due to new believers being added to the body of Christ. And seeing those new converts take up Christian ministry roles, it's been so thrilling. During that time, God's taught me many hard and valuable lessons that have stuck with me to this day. In the last decade or so, I have endeavoured to equip people to share the gospel And in this time, I've engaged with thousands of leaders and preached at many churches, both big and small across the world. And I've noticed a pattern in these churches. Most of them are not effectively reaching the loss with the gospel in their own communities. Sure, many of them are effective at other things. You know, amazing worship, teaching God's word, taking care of the poor, supporting overseas mission work, creating opportunities for believers to use their spiritual gifts well not always, and so on, but most are not truly effective at reaching the lost in their own backyards. And after countless conversations with church leaders and workers and first-hand observations in innumerable church services, I'm convinced there are at least seven reasons why this is the case. The first one is that I believe they've lost their gospel urgency. You know, in the average church, there is not a whatever-it-takes mentality when it comes to reaching the lost with the hope of Jesus Christ. There's not a sense of urgency that flows from the reality of hell for those who don't hear and believe the message of the gospel. I don't know why. Sometimes this lack of urgency flows out of a theological construct that causes some churchgoers to conclude, well, it's all up to God anyway, 
You know, sometimes it flows out of the lack of understanding of the mission and mandates Jesus left for all of us in Matthew 28 verse 19, when he commissioned his followers to go and make disciples of all nations. Well, I don't know. Whatever the reason for this lack of urgency, church leaders need to help their congregations hear the call from above. That's the Great Commission. To hear the whisper from within, that should be the compassion that we should have. And to hear the scream from beneath, the reality of hell, so that the Holy Spirit can reignite their people's passion to reach the lost. I believe a second reason why the churches are not reaching the lost successfully in their own backyard is because the leadership do not model it. You know, as someone once said, no tears in the eyes of the writer, there'll be no tears in the eyes of the reader. And what's true of writing is certainly true of evangelism in the local church. You know, consider this point. I mean, if the pastor, the associate pastor, the youth pastor, the rest of the church leadership do not have broken hearts for the lost and are not engaging in gospel conversations with family, friends, neighbours, the person at the till and so on, then neither will their congregations. You know, the Lord Jesus said in Luke chapter 6 verse 40, the student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. Consider this concept. I believe that Bible studying pastors have Bible studying congregations. I think program driven pastors, they have program driven congregations. Well, in a similar way, I believe that evangelizing pastors have evangelizing congregations. And so this begs the question that if someone does not lead people to Christ, should they even be a church leader at all? <laughs> well, it's a big question to ask, isn't it? But to follow Jesus, according to Jesus's own words in Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, where he said, come follow me and I'll send you out to fish for people. Well, it should surely inevitably result in fishing for people, don't you think? Or in other words, evangelism. So if we're not fishing for people through evangelism, are we really following Jesus at all? Well, that's food for thought. A third reason why I believe churches are not reaching the lost in their own backyard is that intercessory prayer is not a true value. You know, we read in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 to 4, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Saviour, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Interesting, isn't it? But the very first order of business in conducting a church service, well, at least according to Paul's instruction to Timothy, it's intercessory prayer for the lost. Why? Because God desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Sadly, the average church spends more time in church announcements and singing than intercessory prayer. You know, in some churches, the high task of intercessory prayer is relegated to a small midweek group of prayer warriors. And this is great, but in one sense, the pastor is now delegating the duty of prayer so that they can devote themselves to preaching and other very important tasks. But when the church came together in Acts chapter 2 verse 42, we read, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking bread and to prayer. And also we read in Acts 6 verse 4, the apostles delegated other duties so that they could devote themselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. A challenge for us to take away from this is, do you pray for the lost in church staff meetings, in your corporate meetings and small group meetings? Because if you want to increase your gospel urgency, then crank up the intercession frequency on your prayer dial. 
A fourth reason why churches are not reaching the lost in their own backyard is that evangelism training rarely happens, if at all. You know, most churches do not have a consistent way for church members to be equipped in effectively engaging in gospel conversations. Or better yet, why not have an annual sermon series on how to share your faith? Why not make it part of the fabric of growing in one's faith, just like giving, prayer and Bible study and so on? Or why not have all your small groups go through a series on evangelism? There are many courses out there. Some are good, others are not so good, but look at them. We read in 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 2 is what I call the 222 of training and the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. A fifth reason why churches are not reaching the lost in their own backyard is that the gospel is not relentlessly given. You know, I was visiting a church not long ago in the UK and the pastor sent me a text message after the service to ask me if I could give him an honest evaluation of the church. And my text response was very simple. Great service, friendly people, good sermon, great worship. The only one thing I'd say is that if I was lost when I came in, I think I'd still be lost when I left. Why? Because the gospel was not clearly given. Could that be happening in your church Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, preaching lots of sermons, worshipping to the, you know, forever, you know, the Lord's amazing worship songs, but we fail to share the gospel message itself? You see, friends, when you give the gospel consistently in your church meetings, then the church members know that any time they bring an unreached person to church, they're going to hear the gospel there. You know, as an evangelist, I give the gospel at the end of every outreach event. And while we always teach people not to focus on the fruit, trust me, we only ever see fruit. A sixth reason why churches are not reaching the lost in their own backyard is that they've exchanged evangelism for outreach. Evangelism for outreach. What do I mean? You know, in far too many churches, outreach has been generalised to the point where the verbal articulation of the gospel has been exchanged for collecting food for the poor or ministering to the marginalised and reaching out to the hurting. Now, while it's good to do good, isn't it better to do great? (laughs) And what's great is when churches meet the physical and the spiritual needs of their communities by sharing the gospel with their lives and their lips. Did you know government agencies can actually take care of physical needs of people much better than many churches do? It's only the church that can take care of both physical and spiritual needs. At the end of the day, we're not fully doing anyone true justice if we withhold from them the message of the gospel that can save their souls and transform their lives both now and forever. And a seventh reason why churches are not reaching the lost in their own backyard. You know, evangelistic storytelling is not part of the culture these days. You know, in churches that are effective at evangelism, stories of changed lives and saved souls are told consistently. You know, these stories inject gospel urgency into the congregation, and it gives church members a sense that reaching the lost with the hope of Jesus Christ can truly change their church and their community. True stories of disciple multiplication help believers move all this talk about evangelism from the fiction shelf of their mental library to the non-fiction shelf of their mental library. I mean, normally in church services, a typical scene is that the, the leader will take the microphone and say, Hey church, has anybody got a testimony to share this morning? 
And slowly the odd hand goes up and then a few more. And one lady says, yes, you know what? I've had terrible headaches this week and I pray to God and I've been healed. Amen. Hallelujah. Everybody claps their hands. And it's a powerful testimony. It's God at work. Another person says, yes, my my wife has been very ill. She's been in hospital. And you know what? She's got through her chemo treatment. And, you know, I'm praising God for that. And of course, everybody rejoices in that. Another person, their their big toe has been hurting them. And so they've been praying that the pain will go away and the pain went. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. These are powerful testimonies. But whatever happens to the testimony of salvation, where somebody says, well, actually, I gave my life to Jesus because somebody told me for the first time that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins and uh, he's come back to life. And if I, I repent of my sins and surrender to him, I can be saved. Well, I did that the other day. Now, what about those testimonies? Why are we not hearing them anymore these days? You see, evangelistic storytelling is not part of our culture anymore. Think about why we love the book of Acts. It's the stories of changed lives. When we carry on the mission of the early church and share stories along the way, then more and more believers get fired up about their engaging with co-workers, family, friends, and sharing the good news of Jesus with whoever they meet. I mean, what about having a, a missions moment in the church service where the story of impact can be told about lives across the streets and around the world that are being changed by the gospel? My friends, my prayer is that for every church leader and missionary and member of churches is that he or she can glean some insights to practically help um, them in sharing the gospel that they can apply right away. I strongly encourage that we start with prayer. And as we pray for the lost in our communities, you know, God will give to us that urgency and strategy that we need to make evangelism a true value in our lives personally and in our ministry publicly. You know, friends, it's time for our church to reach out. It's time for us to lead the way. Now let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we love you very much indeed, and I thank you for this day that you've made. And I pray for Christians around the world today that you can please help us to find a way to reach out to the lost on our own backyard and uh, and in our communities and in our countries and around the whole world. Please help us to have a real gospel urgency. I pray that we'll begin to realise how the clock is ticking and that people are facing an eternity either in heaven or hell and that we can play a part in that if we could share the gospel. My Lord, I want to pray, Lord, that each of us, and I pray that I would start with this, that I will begin to model evangelism in my life every day, that people will see me and hear me sharing the gospel and that that may influence them too. My Lord, I want to pray, Lord, that um, we would all begin to put a real value on intercessory prayer. I pray, Lord, that we'll take it so seriously and we'll put it first. My Lord, I also pray that you could help us to train up and to to prioritise evangelism training. That, Lord, that we we may really relentlessly share the gospel without fail. I pray, Lord, that those of us that are not in the habit of sharing the gospel, that we would start doing it. Maybe today, maybe by posting some gospel message. I, I also want to pray that you can help us to be protected from the devil as he tries to trick us and change our vocabulary changing the meanings of words like evangelism outreach. I pray that we'll not ever get the wrong understanding or theological understanding in our minds. And I just want to pray, please, Lord, that there'll be more people that will hear the gospel because we're sharing it. I want to pray, Lord, that evangelistic storytelling will be become part of our culture. So I really pray for that, that we'd all have an evangelism culture. 
My Lord, across the world today, I just want to pray for people that are really struggling and suffering in the crisis, and I pray for their protection. I pray that you'll keep them all safe, and uh, my Lord, I pray that you'll help us to keep on being devoted to you. We love you so much, Lord Jesus. I pray that every one of the 7.7 billion people in the whole world will come to a knowledge of you as their Lord and Saviour. And I say this prayer in the name of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. We hope you enjoyed the message. Please subscribe and leave a rating and review to help others find our podcast. At GCS, our mission is to communicate the gospel message relevantly to every person in the world. One way we do this is by providing practical resources to help you grow in your faith and present the Christian faith across different cultures. You can find out more about our resources at www.greatcommissionsociety.com. If you would like to donate to our efforts, be sure to contact us, or you can donate online. GCS is a listener-supported ministry and is chaired by a board of directors in Edinburgh, UK.